This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 19. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today's chat is with Colleen Billing. This was actually one of the first several episodes I recorded, so I'm happy to finally share this one with you all. Colleen and I chat about practicing hospitality, including how she's hosted over a thousand missionaries. We're also talking about teaching our kids to pray, finding community, and Colleen's job as a professional organizer. And she shares some awesome tips for getting started with organizing your home. Thanks for listening in. Here's my chat with Colleen. Hi, Colleen. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Amber Rose. It's a just a privilege and an honor to to get to talk to you and to reach out to some of the moms that were, will be listening. Yes, and I, I'm so excited to chat with you. We, um, we met uh, originally, I don't even know how many years ago it was now, but it was when I was serving with Net Ministries as a missionary. And um, you and your family uh, hosted our team, we're our host family. So we stayed with you, um, I believe it was for a weekend. I think it was even over a holiday. It was, it was Thanksgiving yes. break. Yes, <laughs> that's right. I remember. Yeah, and so myself and 10 others, there were 11 on our team. And um, it was uh, just such a, a gift um, to be invited into your family. And what was so interesting about it was it wasn't even something that is out of the norm for you because you do this pretty you did this pretty regularly and you've hosted now like hundreds of missionaries is that right or how do you know, you know how many what? you've hosted we we were asked to guesstimate for, because net was doing a fun little article and we think at this point we've we've reached the thousand one thousand mark oh so we my goodness <laughs> now that now that does count like teams that come back a second time sure. so it's sort of like how many how many bodies walk through my door <laughs> that's amazing <But laughs> it's been an absolute blast we love it we would not have it any other way so how did you first begin hosting missionaries and and other people and and um yeah, maybe you can just walk us through through that, sure. how you began doing that. Sure. Well, my husband and I met at the University of Illinois at uh, the Newman Center there through the Catholic Church. And we met on a retreat, actually, a retreat that I almost didn't go on because I couldn't find where we were supposed to meet. So it's so oh, funny wow. how the Holy Spirit just, just works. I was five minutes from like turning around and going back home. But uh, the Holy Spirit got me there. And... <laughs> I and it was a really good weekend. I ended up uh, meeting my husband and my maid of honor that weekend. Wow! So my husband and I started dating, but he was very seriously discerning uh, the priesthood, actually. And uh-huh. so when we were seniors, he was still discerning, and I thought, you know what? I really want to marry this man, but I better have a backup plan. So I started looking <laughs> at different places that I could volunteer. I was going to be a teacher, but. I was interested in doing some volunteer work first if I was not going to be getting engaged. So I ended up applying for NET Ministries and I had my interview weekend all set up for January where I was ready to go. And then of course my husband uh, gets enlightened over Thanksgiving break and decides he does want to marry me and propose when we got back. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I know. I had no idea that backstory. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a good story. I actually found my net application last year when I was cleaning something out. 
and it was back before we had, you know, computers. So it was all right. handwritten and it was like 26 <laughs> page long essay questions. It was crazy. Oh so, my goodness. So once we got married and we moved um, to the suburbs of Chicago here, uh, we started having children. We, you know, I lived in that have I slept or showered without being interrupted for about a decade. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we knew a lot of people who were serving with NET over the course of the years who we were supporting. And we got a phone call one day from NET saying, now I just had my fifth baby. <laughs> no, I was pregnant with my fifth baby. Okay. And uh, my oldest was nine at the time. And um, Nat said, hey, we're just calling to say thank you. And I had a great conversation with them and asked them if they still needed host families to take teams when they were coming through. And they said, absolutely. So that's sort of how it all began. The fall, a couple months later, they called me. Right after we moved into our new house, we had our first Nat team with a newborn. Wow. And a two-year-old and a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. <laughs> And Amazing. I thought it was normal when they asked me how many people we would take. I said, well, how many are on a team? And they said 12. And I said, well, that sounds really fun. <laughs> so I didn't know that was an abnormal response. Right. So they probably put like a big star next to my name and wrote like, this is a crazy lady, call her often, or something like we'll that. Take so, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll take whole team. Yeah, we'll take whole team repeatedly. So that was it. We fell in love. I mean, that net team walked through my door, and we still are in contact with a lot of those um, missionaries from that first team we ever hosted back, gosh, almost 12 years ago now. Wow. So it was just a life-changing experience, I think, both for us and for them. And I think, you know, when you're in the midst of that chaos of having just little ones running all over the place. Now, you know, I, some people are probably thinking, I couldn't even imagine having another human being in my house, let alone overnight, Right. you know, when you're sort of going through that time in your life. But, you know, I did have a couple who were older and could be helpful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I think that I just had this inkling that it was just really something the Holy Spirit was prompting us to do. And after mm -hmm. we did it a few times, it was absolutely life-changing for my kids. And I think people shy away from inviting other people into their homes because we don't have the homes that the Pinterest boards look like. Right. And we don't have the homes that the magazines look like, or maybe that one of our friends' houses looks like, you know, mm -hmm. who might have more of a gift of organization. But uh, what we learned is that what really matters is the people and the relationships that are formed. And so, you know, we would have Nerf gun wars happening at 11 o'clock <laughs> at night at my house. And those are the memories that my kids had repeatedly. Mm -hmm. We usually take about five teams every year. So every couple of months we'll have a team come through and um, the kids just, they lose their mind with excitement and they still do. Mm -hmm. they're, they're much older now, all of them. And they still get so, so excited. And now we know so many alumni from all lots of different missionary programs. We mm -hmm. don't just host net teams, but we help with Totus Tuus training. And, you know, then we, we form relationships with some of these folks. And when they're driving through, coming from one place to another, um, we, we jokingly named ourselves the Billing Bed and Breakfast. And there's <laughs> actually now a location on Facebook that you can check in. <laughs> when you arrive so oh I love that yeah, it's been great <laughs> well that I think is just a, a testament to your family and just your um, 
extreme gift, I would say, of just hospitality and uh, generosity that people would feel comfortable having stayed with you once to be able to contact you anytime they're passing through just to see if they could stay with you again. I think that's just so beautiful. Um, you know, when we when we found this house, Amber Rose, um, it was so interesting. It's such a cool story. My father-in-law had died very suddenly. And unbeknownst to any of us, he died with, with a lot of money in the bank. And so he had seven children, and he divided his estate up by, by eight, actually, and their home church got an eighth of his inheritance. And so we all got a once-in-a-lifetime check, and we were living in a 1,400-square-foot house that we loved and thought we would be in forever. Mm. And we probably would have hosted net teams in that house, too. Right. But we, we kind of knew it was probably our only chance to ever move into a larger home. And our home is still not huge by any means, but it was so much bigger than the one we were living in. But mm-hmm. I remember saying to my husband when we came that night to look at this house, like, if this is the house that the Lord wants us to have, then we will throw open the doors. Mm-hmm. Ah, I'm like getting emotional uh. because I'm just, I continue to go back to how grateful mm-hmm. I am, you know, for him. And just giving us a space that really our money is his, mm-hmm. our relationships are his, our possessions are his. And so who am I to say that, you know, this house should not be open? And, and I think also something that people forget is that I didn't realize when I was a young mom that I had a gift of hospitality. It's mm-hmm. something that you actually have to do and, and to try out to see if that's, that's a gift set that you mm-hmm. have. And I think that sometimes we're afraid to, um, to do something outside the box. We hadn't done, I mean, we would have our friends sleep overnight when they came in for a weekend, but we never opened our home to strangers before. It was a little bit of a weird and crazy idea, but I think um, just that, it's just such a, a beautiful example of how when we open our hearts a little bit and trust and, and sort of follow a prompting that we might be getting, that the Lord can just do crazy, amazing things with that. So I take very little of the credit because he just encouraged me and gave me the faith and the strength to just say yes to it. And now, honestly, our, I mean, as I have already said over and over, our lives have been forever changed and impacted by um, missionaries like you and your wonderful husband and all of the other people who have come through our home. And it's a, win, it's a win-win situation for sure. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. I I love what you said of just about being um, just a steward of what of what you've been given, um, yeah. like gifts financially, your home, but also just your gift of hospitality and trying it out and realizing then that you had that gift and then being able to offer that back to God by by opening up your home is is beautiful. I love that. Um, you mentioned your children and how they've been impacted as well by. Um, the missionaries you've hosted. Could you talk a little bit more about that and what that looked like? Yeah, well, my husband has this really cool image that he likes to share with people. So he's a structural engineer. So he builds things like bridges and roads and stuff like that for a living. And he talks about how when you are crossing over a bridge, we tend to see like the large beams that run, you know, north-south, like along the bridge. And we think that's what's holding up the bridge. And those are, those beams are holding up the bridge, but those are the big beams. And he compares that to uh, like a parent-child relationship, okay? So, so the journey of our kid's life is like crossing over that bridge, right? Mm-hmm. And we, there are some big beams in there, like the big people 
who hold those kids up, their parents, their grandparents, maybe some aunts and uncles. But right. um, when you're crossing over a, a trust bridge, now I'm probably gonna, gonna use all of the wrong lingo, but probably most of your moms won't care. <laughs> if my husband <laughs> listens great. to this, he's gonna be like, oh, honey, you totally screwed it up. <laughs> there are these cross beams underneath the bridge mm-hmm. that you can't really see. Uh, sometimes you can see them. Mm-hmm. And he was explaining to me that those smaller cross beams, those crisscross beams, are actually the parts of the bridge that give the bridge strength over time. And so it's so important for us as parents to make sure that we're not the only voice that's pointing our kids in the direction that is good and that's holy and and toward Mm -hmm. God. We have to have other voices that they can turn to because as any of our listeners know who have kids who are maybe even just a little bit older, Mm -hmm. there will come a day, if it hasn't come already, when our kids are going to start actively making some decisions that we don't agree with, Mm -hmm. or they're going to really start questioning things. So for us to be able to have these missionaries who, let's say, are staying with us for a night or for a weekend, um, and they say to me, um, hey, can I go sit out near your pond and take my prayer time? Or can I sit on your front porch and take my prayer time? Or can I set my hammock up in your front lawn (laughs) Uh, and take my prayer time and I say yes 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 or when they pray together as a team and they invite our family into that that for me is worth 10 times any dollar amount I might spend on making a taco bar for them for dinner because Mm. what that's doing is it's giving my kids um, not necessarily their peers but you know those cool slightly older kids because a lot of these missionaries are 18 19 20 years old my kids are seeing that these young adults are making decisions for the Lord too. These young adults are doing the things that my parents are telling me to do, or my parents are suggesting are good ideas, but it's not coming from us, Hmm. you know? And I think a lot of families we've seen over time, we're seeing that some kids who are walking away from their life with God, walking away from their faith life, it's not necessarily because their parents aren't really great Christians. It's not that their parents aren't faithful. It's that there was just no other voice in their kids' lives except their parents. Mm -hmm. And the voice of the world is so loud right now that we have to give our kids kids a fighting chance. Mm -hmm. And for us, um, providing community around our kids all the time and missionaries who are coming in and out of their lives and setting a good example are all of those little truss, bridge, crisscross beams that are holding our kids up, I think, over time and allowing them to make those decisions that we're hoping they make. But sometimes they don't want to make when it's just us telling them that they should. Right. Wow, that's so. beautiful. And I, I love that image, too. That visual is, is so helpful. So yeah. I'm, I'm thinking for the, the moms that are listening and want those cross beams in their family's life, those... Um, whether it be maybe hosting missionaries or just community, um, yeah. people who are longing for that but uh, don't have it, do you have any uh, recommendations for them or, or suggestions on how to find that or, or build that? Well, yes. I think it it's not necessarily an easy thing to do, but it's definitely something that's possible. So when the missionaries who stay with us are coming off the road, off of their missionary experience, Uh, We always talk to them. We love to have teams at the end of the year as they're sort of getting ready to get back into their 
their family life into their quote unquote mm -hmm. normal life after they've lived this very abnormal, extraordinary life um, serving as a missionary for the year or even for the summer or something like that. So right. um, again, my husband has a, a really blunt and kind of fun way of saying, uh, you have a couple choices when you are, are going back. Because, I mean, some of these kids are out of state, right? And mm -hmm. they are going back to a situation where there isn't a lot of community for them. Uh, some of them are getting ready to get engaged, getting ready to, to we'll, we'll get married in the next year. Right. And he says, you have a couple choices. One, you have to find community where you are. And that's not necessarily an easy thing to do, but it is possible. You can use the internet to search like, are there any kind of community, religious communities that are affiliated for Catholics, like uh, maybe a third order, maybe a monastery in your area that you could get somehow connected with. Social media is so amazing these days. There are mm -hmm. tons of sites on social media where you can go to try to find um, people who live around you uh, to say, hey, is anybody interested in some regular fellowship? Something a little bit more than just going to to mass or to service on Sundays. Um, so just really using social media and then talking to your parish priest or pastor just to say, hey, you know a lot of the families in the parish. Do you think there are any other like-minded families who maybe go to a different mass or a different service than we do and we wouldn't necessarily have run into them yet? Mm -hmm. So I think it's just really uh, asking the Lord to give you the direction and providing the opportunity to just sort of set you in the right direction. but to work tirelessly to make that happen because it's so important. And then he says, my husband says, if you do all that and you still can't find anybody, then you should move. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which, yeah. Sounds really drastic, but that's how passionate we are about the importance of our kids having, and us having community around them. My oldest son, Josh, uh, he's 22 years old and he just finished four years of school going to uh, the seminary. He was studying to be a Catholic priest as well, mm -hmm. like father, like son in some ways, <laughs> in a lot of ways. And then he actually discerned out of the seminary at the end of his college years. And he served mm -hmm. as a missionary last year with NET. And so um, I've heard him lots of times when people ask him, like, how did you have that freedom in today's culture to be brave enough and open enough at 17 years old to leave home, go to school six hours away in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and start studies to become a priest. And without even blinking, he said, I grew up in a home and in a community that just constantly supported me. If I didn't have my mom and dad, I had, you know, 10 quote unquote aunts and uncles that right. I could always turn to at any time if I wanted a different sort of voice in my ear. Um, I, I would, I was safe where I went. Like I, I wasn't ever worried that I would go to so-and-so's house and I would see a movie that was inappropriate or find pornography or, you know what I mean? So right. there, it's a safety net that you build around your family life and you can do it. We are a testament to when you give the Lord your dreams and you tell him what you want, he truly can provide that for you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we started out with two other couples who were interested and sort of doing something more intentionally like my husband and I were. And now we have 19 adults and among us, we have 42 kids all living in roughly the same neighborhood and living out this dream of community together. And That's amazing. it's real, so it's hard too. <laughs> 
you don't always want everybody in your business, but that's one of one of the trade-offs. But it is uh, proven to be highly successful so far. We'll see. Right now, all five of my kids really love the Lord. Uh, we're just I'm on my knees every single day to to try to make sure that continues to move in the right direction. Mm. But um, yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but it's it's worth it. Mm. And that's that's so encouraging too. I mean, do not despise small beginnings. You know, you started with. Uh, a few other couples and, and yeah. now just to see um, the community you're surrounded by is beautiful. I love yeah. that. I think when our love is new and young and when we're new parents, mm-hmm. we think that our love is strong enough to be able to conquer anything, you know, like our love for each other, our love for the Lord. And the reality is that unless we live in a bubble, which we're not supposed to do, right. um, our kids are going to be exposed to the things of the world, to, to evil. And you just have to, you have to rally the troops around you. And um, that takes time to do. So the, the earlier that you can start and to build those relationships, both for you and your husband and for your kids, the better off everybody is going to be in the long run. So pray for me. Yeah, that's great. And pray for me and and everyone listening as well. That's beautiful. I I love that. Yeah, it takes takes a lot of prayer for sure. Um, And speaking of prayer, if you don't mind me asking, I would love (laughs) to know a little bit about what your prayer life looks like. Um, Maybe, yeah, just in the state of life that you're in right now. Well, let me just be extraordinarily honest with you and say, you know, I have some amazingly holy friends who are up at five o'clock every morning before their children and they have their Bibles and their journals and their prayer books or they're just incredible. And that is not me. I am not <laughs> a morning prayer. I never have been. Um, I had a spiritual director who said, you know, there's no formula for when the best time is to pray. Now, mm. prayer is like exercise though. Uh, if you get it done first thing in the morning, you're more likely to do it. Right. So I am a, I'm an advocate for that. Unfortunately, it just hasn't always been something that has worked for me. So um, what I do is, well, first of all, I read an incredible book that I would, I'd love to throw out there for you guys. Oh, please do. It's called A Mother's Rule of Life, and it's oh, written yes. by a wonderful Catholic author. Her name is Holly Perlow, and I think you have to order it from Sophia Press, I think. And um, I actually got to meet her at a conference, and she's just incredible. But she talks a lot in her book about the importance of having a schedule and a routine, which a lot of people shy away from because they think, oh, I want to be free to do, to sort of be spontaneous and do what I want. And I think that that's more possible when your kids are really little. But as you start to, I mean, we homeschooled. So Mm -hmm. as I started to do school, I needed a little bit more of a routine. And um, so in that book, she talks about how prayer should be the very first thing that you put on your schedule for the day. Mm -hmm. So before you think about where you need to go and what you need to do, she just encourages you to literally pencil, you know, pen and paper it or use a cool Excel spreadsheet like I do because I love to make everything pretty and colorful. Mm -hmm. And every night before I go to bed, I look at my schedule for the next day and I decide where my prayer is going to fit in for that day. So uh, for the Catholics out there who would understand this, like two nights a week, we do a holy hour, one as a family and one just as a couple. And that's been 
huge. If I have the worst week ever and I do nothing else, I know that I have those two wonderful holy hours set mm-hmm. aside. So that's really important. And my kids have that too. And we'll leave our house having gone, you know, to sit in front of Jesus every single week for an hour mm-hmm. in, the, in quiet and silence. They're learning that importance of silence. Um, Mass is also a really important part of my week. I try to get to Mass four days a week in the morning. Uh, and and I that changed regularly as I was a young mom. I think it's really important not to put these huge expectations on ourselves. Like, we have to get to church every single morning or I'm not being a good mother, you know. Daily Mass is not a requirement. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for some extra grace, though. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I spent most of my morning masses in the back of the church behind the glass doors holding a fussing baby. <laughs> but um, I joke, I gave a talk last weekend at a conference and I, I joked about how, except it wasn't a joke, I literally would sometimes pick morning mass spots based on how good like the back of the church area was because I knew that that's where I would be most yes. of the time. <laughs> but, um, but I think that that profoundly impacts my ability to be a good mother and a good human being Mm. (laughs) every single uh, week of my life. So again, morning. So, you know, Holly talks about how like prayer should be food. Prayer should be like food. You know, we eat three times a day and then we have some snacks. So think morning, afternoon, evening, like what could I be doing just to set aside like a little bit of time with the Lord to have a kind of a bigger prayer time set aside for one of those times of the day. But you know, maybe there's a little scripture reading you could do for 10 minutes while you take a break and have a cup of coffee. Um, I have a little Christian prayer book that I use every single night before I go to bed. And even if it's two o'clock in the morning, when I crawl into bed, I pray night prayer from, uh, from my Christian prayer book. And I do that as an, um, an opportunity to pray for my kids and their spouses Mm -hmm. and their vocations. And that's my specific prayer intention. And I think Attaching prayer intentions to certain kinds of prayer also helps us to do to do it. You know, That's if so I true. say like, mm-hmm. "Hey, I'm going to pray a rosary," and a rosary has five decades, and oh, I happen to have five kids, I'm going <laughs> to pray a decade for each of my five kids. Well, I'm going to be more likely to do that. You know, whereas if I say like, "Oh yeah, I should pray a rosary once in a while," and it's just sort of out there, I think that. Um, I think it's it's great to sort of attach that intention. And I know young moms, believe me, I was there. Like, how can you actually sit down and get any quiet time in for prayer? Well, it's not always super quiet. Right. And you kind of have to take it where you can get it. Yeah. But we always, always sort of based our, our prayer time around the baby's nap schedule. So whoever the baby was, if they uh, started taking, once they started taking some regular naps, if they went down at one o'clock, then one to one thirty was the time that the house was quiet. And it's amazing if you train them early to say, and there are some fun tricks too. I would say, you all get to each pick whatever part of the house that you want to sit in. If you want to bring a cozy pillow or your blanket and a prayer book, as they got older, I would let them um, maybe like light a little jar candle as long as I knew it was in a safe place. But if they sort of had that opportunity to have some freedom in choosing where they got to pray, how they got to pray, 
teaching them how to journal, teaching them how to look up the daily readings in scripture. Um, you know, again, I think that I gave a talk last year or two years ago now, I wrote it called 15 things I've learned in 15 years of homeschooling. Mm. And we're finishing up. This is our, our last year. It should be our last year of homeschooling. It's going to be year 18 wow. for us. So 18 and done. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Wow. But, um, when I was writing that talk, and I always write it in, in church, so you know I can say, like, if it was a really great talk, then the Holy Spirit gets all the credit. And if yeah. it's a terrible talk, then anyone who didn't like it can just go complain to God. Cause, <laughs> you know, I blame it on him. But when it came down to having to kind of rank them, when people say to me, how did you homeschool your kids for all these years? Like, what's the most important thing you learned? I will say, hands down, the most important thing I've learned being a mom now for 22 years is that we have to teach our kids how to pray. I think there's this like thing out there that we think that both we are somehow going to just learn how to pray automatically and our kids are going to learn how to pray automatically, but it's like any other thing. Like we have to give them an opportunity to be taught and to recognize the differences. Some of my kids absolutely have to draw while they're praying because it frees up their mind, they can think more. So, you know, to sort of start to recognize, oh, this kid is a doodler. Most kids who are doodlers doodle because it helps them focus, not because it's a distraction from what they're supposed to be doing. So they all had a little prayer bag when they were little and whether they would take that to church with them or whether they would just take it with them wherever they were going to kind of do their little prayer time. Um, just like I have a little bag, like I have a little bag that has all my prayer stuff in it and wherever I'm going to go, uh, the bag comes with me. So I think there are things we can do to point ourselves in the right direction and it's not easy and it doesn't always happen every single day, but I always plan for it to happen <laughs> and then really pray that it does. And if you can't get up at five o'clock in the morning before your children are all up, all the power to you. I think mm -hmm. that's an amazing idea. <laughs> Wow, I, um, Colleen, I'm feeling so encouraged because I, I have a, um, well, one, one and a half and a three and a half year old now. And right now what we do is the um, one and a half year old is still napping. And so when he's napping, my three and a half year old, uh, we have her take some quiet time. And um, that's when I try and get my really intentional personal prayer time in. Um, but I feel like maybe this should be a time to maybe start introducing uh, Lucy, my three and a half year old, to maybe some basic personal prayer time. Um, hearing you say like having, you know, their own little prayer book or, you know, maybe for corner. her, it's like a coloring book, their own little corner. Yeah. I think she, I think that would really resonate with her. I think she'd really enjoy that. So I'm feeling so encouraged. <laughs> I love Good. that you said that. That's wonderful. And you know what? I think that we need to also be reminded that we are not above bribery, right? So we use bribery all the time. Okay. Now we're going to have our quiet prayer time for a half an hour. Anybody who actually stays in their prayer spot. Now, you know, I didn't expect my three-year-old to pray for a half an hour, right? Right. But sometimes we would just, we would read the daily readings together in the living room. And then everybody would kind of go off and do their own thing. So if my, if my three-year-old could stay quiet for, for five minutes or 10 minutes, then that would, but then they had to have something else that they would do. So maybe 
they got to doodle or, or maybe they got to work a puzzle or something like that. But the idea was teaching them early on, this is time that's set aside. It's sacred quiet. It's sacred silence, you know, and to value that. And, you know, I think a lot of people say, this is impossible. There's no way I'm going to get my kid to be quiet. When we opened the um, Adoration Chapel at our Catholic Church, which is a chapel that a lot of Catholic church has, churches have that have um, the Blessed Sacrament in it, um, my husband wanted to sign up for a holy hour for the whole family. And I literally looked at him and I started laughing. I'm like, do you remember that we have a three-year-old, you know, <laughs> and... He laughed back and he said, yes, honey, I do remember. And we're going to do this. We're going to figure out a way to make it work. And literally, I thought he was insane. And but, you know, every once in a while, I do really try to be submissive to my husband as hard as it can be sometimes. So I said, "Okay, okay, we're going to do this. But we're going to pack, you know, a crazy prayer bag. And well, that little three year old is 12 and a half now. And she has done a holy hour every single week for her whole little Oh my life. goodness, amazing. <laughs> and I was shocked, shocked by how well she did sitting in the chapel for a whole hour. I'm not saying she was silent. I'm not saying she wasn't wiggly, but I literally have had, had something packed in that bag for every five minutes. She could do, I had like eight or 10 things packed in that bag. Okay, okay, she's starting to get fussy okay, now we're going we're gonna to still be quiet, but we're going to color. And if you do that slowly over time, she also had older siblings that she could watch, right? Mm-hmm. And they were setting that example of being quiet. So, you know, our lives are literally so noisy. And I think one of the big mistakes that we make as moms and that we make as couples and as parents is that we don't carve out time for silence in our homes because they're certainly not going to get it out in the world. So at the monastery that we're affiliated with, when we're there on a retreat, um, at 10 o'clock every night, it's sacred silence. So it's quiet at the monastery starting at 10 o'clock. And then the next morning, when you wake up and you go to breakfast, there are 200 people in the refectory, and it's quiet. Everybody is eating breakfast in silence. And when I first heard that they did that, when we first joined this monastery 20 years ago, I thought, these people are nuts. There's no way (laughs) my babies, my little ones are going to be quiet. But they love it. They love Mm -hmm. the silence. They've learned to love it. And I think, you know, I I like to encourage people. I just had a friend yesterday who said, I just hate silence. Like, I avoid those silent retreats at all costs. And they just make me nervous. Well, you know why that is? Because sometimes we're afraid of the silence because we're afraid what God is going to tell us or maybe what he's going to ask of us when we actually shut our own mouths and listen to him. Most of our prayer Mm -hmm. is talking, 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 talking. And I think we forget sometimes that um, we have to be quiet. If we just talked at our husbands all the time, which that is a struggle that I have sometimes, but, (laughs) um, and we never gave him a chance to, to talk back uh, it wouldn't make for a very good relationship. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to teach our kids that too. You have to have that time for silence and quiet. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I can say that with a 22 year old and a 20 year old and a 17, <laughs> you know, that was yeah. harder to do when they were all little, but, um, you got to start when they're little. So they learn how to pray as they, as they get older. 
So Colleen, I'd love to ask you a little bit about your work now um, as uh, would you call yourself a professional organizer or that is what I call myself Great. that's what my business that's what my business card says Great <laughs> well could you tell us a little bit about how that started Sure So when I was a kid my dad had this pretty amazing job as the vice president of development and fundraising at a big Catholic um, hospital in Chicago And so translated that means as the oldest child I did a lot of babysitting and so it would be Friday night and we would, you know, my parents would be out and I would be in charge of my little siblings. Well, by Saturday night, when I had to wash them again, I was so bored. And so I would do little projects. You know, sometimes we do little projects around the house. Maybe we'll clean out our closets, but most kids don't even ever want to do that without being forced. Right. <laughs> but I would do crazy things, Amber Rose, like I would empty the whole linen closet and like meticulously refold everything oh in it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> my mom would come home and be like, what? Or like we had these weird kitchen cabinets that you could like wax. And so I would wax the kitchen cabinets. I'd rearrange the furniture in a room. So looking back, I didn't know how weird and abnormal <laughs> that was, but it was pretty weird and abnormal. Now my room was still a hot mess. So I, my mom, when I first started uh, speaking at conferences, my mom said, you better tell all of those poor people that are frustrated with the disorganization of their house, of their houses, that you were a disaster in high school. Your room was terrible and your clothes <laughs> were everywhere. And that is true. But I think after I got to college and I had my own space for the first time, you know, my own dorm room, um, I started caring a little bit more and then that just perpetuated. And when we had our first apartment after we got married, I just absolutely loved to keep it really neat and tidy. So mm -hmm. I definitely think it's kind of like the hospitality thing we talked about. I didn't even really know I had it in me to be uh, sort of gifted in the area of organization until I actually started paying attention. And as time passed, um, my girlfriends, for example, would need to clean their closets out or rearrange furniture in a room. And they would call me and say, could you come over and help me? And I would go enthusiastically and do that until one day, one of my girlfriends said, you know, people actually get paid to do things like this. They're called professional organizers. You should start to think about starting your own business. Wow. So I went home and I Googled professional organizers and I found out that in the city of Chicago, um, these people were making a hundred to $120 an hour. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. So I was like, what? So that was sort of the beginning of it all. And I found in, uh, my, my nephew, who's really good with graphic design, helped me come up with a business card and, you know, I jumped through the hoops and started uh, started this business, and I still don't even have a website. I'm so lame, but um, really, I don't because I don't have as much time to work as I would like to because I've still been homeschooling my kids. But with this being my last year, that's uh, that's on my bucket list for this for this year. I'm going to actually hire somebody to do a really beautiful website for me, so I can start working outside the home a little bit more. But I, it's sort of a multifaceted job. I do sort of two different things. One of the things I do is I speak a lot. Mm -hmm. I speak at conferences. I, I do have a degree in public speaking from the University of Illinois, so that really is helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and I love to do that. Um, 
So I'll go to homeschooling conferences, um, other kinds of conferences. Uh, churches will hire me to come in and do like a mom's day of reflection or something like that, run a retreat for moms. I've gone in to do talks at like mom's groups um, uh, at, at Christian churches, Catholic churches all over the Chicagoland area. So that's been really, really fun. My favorite thing to do is to go to the National Homeschooling Conference in Washington, D.C. There are about 1,400 women at this conference every year, and it's just wow. so, it's so much fun. There's so much energy. It's a really fun place to give a talk. So that's sort of like the one arm of my business, but the other sort of more practical arm is that I, I have clients who call me, and it's all word of mouth because I have a Facebook page but not a website. Right. Uh, Peaceful Interiors, if anybody wants to like it. Great. Um, there's my shameless plug. I love um, it. <laughs> And stay tuned, stay tuned for a website this year. Yeah, so I, I was going to ask like you about that anyway, so I'm glad. And maybe by yeah. the time this airs, you'll have, you'll have a website. So I'll include it that in the show That would be really notes, cool. So. That would be really cool. And I'm doing, I'm, I'm setting some things up so you can buy some of my things on my website. And also oh, I nice. can do like Skype consults for people who oh, don't live near Oh, that's me. helpful. So yeah, they'll be like, that'll be just like a set dollar amount an hour. But anyway, um, so I go into people's homes and they say, okay, I have this toy room. It's completely out of control. It stresses me out. It stresses my kids out. I just want to close the door and not be in here. Mm -hmm. So they'll hire me to come in and we will work together. I only work with my clients. They can't send me into sort of declutter an area without their input and feedback because the idea is that we want our spaces to work for us. So what works for one family might not necessarily work for another family. So right. we usually spend the first half an hour or so just talking about how the moms want to particularly use a space in their home. And then we sort of go from there. But I had somebody say to me once, and it really, really resonated a long time ago when I was a young mom. They said, you know, our homes should be a soft place to fall. Hmm. And that stuck with me, like a soft place to fall, you know? It should be a place where our husbands come home from a really long and busy and stressful day of work that they can actually like take a deep breath when they walk in the door and be like, oh, this is great. I mean, it's not a museum. Our homes are not museums. We actually live here, so there will be things lying around. But, um, you know, just in general, but again, it all comes down to having less stuff, Finding a home for everything that we have, which, as we all know, is a lot easier said than done. Um, but just trying to really move toward living a more simple and minimalistic life. And it, in the community that we're a part of, that's also a big part of the commitment that we make. So my speaking and my organizing and sort of my spiritual life, are, I try to tie them all together. And I always feel very humbled and privileged to, to be hired to, to walk into someone's space because that's a very sacred place, you know, um, especially if I'm walking into an office or a bedroom or a kitchen, you know, the kitchen is the heart of the home. The bedroom is the sanctuary. So uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of us moms who use our bedrooms as dumping grounds. <laughs> it's the furthest thing from a sanctuary. But um, that's the place in my house that I can just come and close the door. And I'm sitting in here right now looking around, sitting on my bed. And, and everything that I have in here is beautiful. It's something that I love. Um, I don't keep things that I don't love. If somebody gifts something to me that I don't love, 
I say thank you and I quietly pass it on <laughs> to some, which might sound terrible to some people, but um, in my opinion, that could be something that somebody else might love. So I'd rather see an item get used and loved than sit in a box or a bin in my basement or my garage, you know? Yeah. So I've been, I've been working with, uh, for about 11 years, uh, with my business and it's really kind of taking off quite a bit in this past year, which of course is the Lord's timing, right? Cause my homeschooling is slowing down right? and my business is starting to pick up. So that's great. But yeah, I love it. I, I absolutely love what I do. Mm. Yeah. I love what you said about your home being, did you say a soft place to fall or a soft place to yeah, land? A soft, yeah. A soft place to fall. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that because it's one word that has really, um, just resonated with me over the last few years has been refuge and just wanting my home to be a place of refuge. And yeah, in this podcast, I wanted to talk to women about how they do that, how they make their home a place of refuge. And, um, like if your home is is cluttered with things and you feel stressed, you know, it's not going to be a refuge for you or your family. And, and so I I love that you help women with that and, and other moms. Do you have a particular method that you use to, to walk through the process? Yeah, it's called the Colleen Billing Method that I made up. <laughs> I love so it. People ask, people ask me all the time, like, have you read this book? Have you read, read this book? And I laugh and I say, no, I, I don't read books. I just actually do the organizing. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love and it. And that's like, I, I do say that half kidding, but honestly, it sort of goes back to that whole gift set area, right? Like, so this is a gift. God gave me a gift to be able to look at a space and I can kind of see like, oh, I wonder why they put that there. It would be so much better if they put it over in that spot, you know? And and I'm the first one to say everybody does not have a gift of being naturally organized, mm-hmm. but it is a learnable task. Um, it might not ever be second nature for you, but I honestly think that... Um, that the strategy I use with moms who are really struggling with multiple rooms in their whole house um, is to start with one room at a time. It's got to be one room at a time. And I think that's a big problem that we, that we make. We start cleaning out our bedroom and we bring stuff to the kids' room. And now all of a sudden we find a project in the kids' room that we've been meaning to do. And now we've sort of lost our focus. Right. So one thing at a time, uh, the kitchen, for example, is a really easy example of that. If we, so at this conference that I just spoke at last weekend, I said, if you did one cabinet or one drawer every single day from now until the end of the summer, then your whole kitchen would be done mm-hmm. by the time school starts. But I think that we're perfectionists, right? Most of us. And we have this all or nothing mentality. So if we cannot rip our entire kitchen apart get new cabinets, a new countertop, a new floor, new appliances, and, you know, a new paint job, then we don't do anything. Hmm. And I think we just need to pray that we can sort of put that perfectionism aside and just start to say, hey, I'm just going to clean out my silverware drawer. And it's infectious. You know, I had a new client last week. I worked at her house for, for two days, two full days. And I literally came home exhausted, but in the evening of one of those nights, I was like, okay, I was so excited from, from the progress that we made in her house that it prompted me to finally get to a project that I've been wanting to do at my house. Wow. So, 
It's sort of like, you know, in the, in the sleep books for kids, they talk about how sleep begets sleep. Right. If you let them sleep more, they will sleep more. And I think it's the same thing for organization. Um, most, of, most of you listeners have probably heard of Fly Lady. If you haven't, um, her website is flylady.net. She's absolutely hilarious. And she sends out these little organizational reminders all day, like, hey, do you have laundry rotting in your washing machine right now? And like nine times out of 10, I would be like, oh, shoot. Yes, I do. Yes. You know? <laughs> and, and oh, shoot. That was oh, that's my dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that I love one it. of my kids is coming home right now. So, oh, there he goes. Okay, that's real life, ladies. Exactly. That's real, real life. life. The phone rings, the dog barks. Um, so, um, so yeah, I think that 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 is just um, something to keep in mind. You know, we we have to we have to tackle things one room at a time, and we have to have patience with ourselves, and we have to know that your house needs to be a place that you actually want to go to. The amount the studies are really interesting. The money that we spend eating out and ordering pizzas. Um, is pretty extraordinary. Sometimes even when we're on a tight budget, sometimes when we're on a tight budget though, we just are, um, we're sort of eating scrambled eggs for dinner a lot of the time, right? Which there's nothing wrong with that if you feel like making breakfast for dinner, but just having a clean kitchen, um, and Fly Lady talks about kitchens a lot. She she talks about your kitchen sink is sort of being like the hot spot in, in your, your kitchen, like oh, command center. Yeah. And how if you keep your kitchen sink area clean, it's sort of this like infection that's a good infection that like grows. Well, then the, the areas on the rest of your countertops you want to keep clean too. And wow, all of a sudden, so you've, got a whole, you've, you've got a whole kitchen. And again, you know, having a system, I, I have a whole talk that I did on paper clutter. Uh, how, do we, how do we get all that paper under control that is in our kitchen, you know, and the simple answer to that is a really good filing system. Mm-hmm. We have the tiniest little kitchen area, um, desk, and office. I mean, it's in our kitchen, literally, sort of like our kitchen and dining room are one big room. And so in a corner, I have a really, really cute black desk, and it has uh, one cabinet, filing cabinet built in, and then we have a small black one that has two drawers next to it. And that's it. All the paper we own is in those three file cabinets. And as mail comes in, every day, every day you have to touch paper and you have to designate uh, like 15 to 30 minutes a day just to manage your paper in your life. And if you do that, um, then it's manageable. But if you don't, we all know what that looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Then you might have to hire me to come to your house and go through the 75 piles with you. Oh, gosh, that's so true. Wow. So many of the things you shared are just so so true to my life. Uh, One thing I love that you said, though, is that um, organization is not necessarily everybody's gift. I find that so freeing because it's like, okay, it's something that I can learn, but um, it might not be one of my gifts and that's okay. <laughs> like yeah, it's okay to get okay. help as well because it's, for example, one of your gifts. And so having, I just love the idea of recognizing other people's gifts. Um, yeah. I had, a uh, Catherine Coolidge from the Catherine of Siena Institute on an earlier episode and she was just, uh. um, sharing about how we all have different gifts and usually you can tell your gifts when people, um, recognize it in you and you know tell you that a lot (laughs) and I just love the idea of 
just kind of borrowing from other people's gifts. Like, this is not my gift, but I can learn from um, my sisters in Christ, which is beautiful. I love that. You know what? I have no artistic talent. Zero. (laughs) I mean, it's so funny because I can take a flower bed and like turn it into something really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I can take your kitchen and turn it into something really beautiful. But if I actually have to like use a hot gun or glue (laughs) or a needle or craft paper in any way, I just like freeze. Like I, I, I have no interest. So it's funny because, um, again, the beauty of community, right? So many of my sisters mm-hmm. in community here in, in our area where we live are good at so many different things that we really, really do utilize each other's gifts. Like when my kids were little and we were homeschooling and it was time to do some kind of cool art project because I felt really guilty that we hadn't done any and it was like November, um, I would just call my girlfriend Jen up and say, hey, you want to send your older kids over and we'll do, because I was an English teacher in my first life, uh, we'll like do a little writing project and you can do a craft project with my little ones. And she's like, are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. How about like in 10 minutes? So, you know, so it's just really, really important. I don't sew. I don't sew a button. I literally, thank goodness. Um, my 14 year old has learned how to sew, but she and my husband are the sewers in the family. And you know what? I don't have any guilt about that. I know sewing needs to happen. So you got to find somebody in your life who can either help you do it or do it for you. Um, and it's the same thing in our homes, right? There are some things that just have to happen and some things that should happen, you know, like our dishes shouldn't be sitting in our sink for two days dirty. We should have a relatively organized kitchen just so we can cook healthy meals for our, for our families and, you know, not have to run and hide when the doorbell rings and pretend we're not home because we don't want anybody to see what our house looks like. Um, but again, like I said, um, that doesn't mean we live in a museum, but it is really, really helpful to start to sort of move into that mentality of, okay, I'm going to start one room at a time. I'm going to pick the rooms. People ask me this all the time. What if my whole house is in bad shape? Like, what if I need help in every single room? Where do I start? And my answer is always the same. Start in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. Your kitchen is the heart of your home. It's where you spend the most time. And when you finish your kitchen, then go to your bedroom. Because your master bedroom needs to be a place that's holy Mm -hmm. and a place that's sacred and a place that has things in it that, uh, that are beautiful. So... I'm looking at my wedding picture right now of my husband and me when we were little babies, 22 (laughs) and 24 years old. And that's the first picture I see. You know, it's my favorite wedding picture. It's sort of like a more casual, fun and silly pose from our wedding day. But it's my favorite and it makes me smile and it makes me so happy every morning when I wake up. And and that's what I see. So, you know, I think we also feel guilty. I think this is a huge mom problem. We feel guilty when we set time aside to take care of ourselves. Now, really, let's think about that for a second, right? That's, that's insane. Mm-hmm. That's insanity. If we cannot take care of ourselves, how are we going to take good care of our husbands and our kids? Mm-hmm. And Holly talks about this in her book, A Mother's Rule of Life, that there has to be Sabbath time set aside for us moms and for our husbands too. And um, people think I'm crazy when I tell them this, but when I read that book, I was pregnant with our with Sadie, our, our last one. So this was 13 years ago. And ever since then, Sunday is my Sabbath time. It Not every single Sunday, because sometimes, you know, you have to go to a birthday party or you're gone for the weekend. But when I'm home, 
I use that time to recharge. Mm -hmm. I do not work on Sunday. We try to really keep holy the Sabbath around our house. We will do some yard work because we enjoy that. It's it's fun for us to do. My husband and I both have a, a love for the yard and all things flowers and growing vegetables and things like that. He doesn't always love to clean out the garage. That needs to be a Saturday project. If that kind of leaks into <laughs> Sunday, sometimes that causes problems. But, um, you know, when I do that, I, I had a lot of moms when I first started doing that. I mean, I had a newborn and I would take the baby with me when she was really little but as soon as she was old enough to leave I we come home from mass and we would have some some late breakfast or early lunch together and then I would leave and I would go sit at a park or I would sit at a coffee shop or I would do something that I would drive I'd go for a drive that was just energizing for me and sometimes this was the best in the winter um, we have this wonderful, I have a tiny little master bathroom and I have a jet tub in there and I would put my coat on and the kids would all kiss me goodbye. And then my husband had his own routine with them, which they loved. It was, they, they called it, um, soup and board game Sundays. So <laughs> they rotated, they rotated who got to pick the board game for whatever the Sunday was. And then they all had to play the game that was picked by a different sibling within reason, you know, like my three-year-old couldn't play Axis and Allies or anything like right. that. But, um, and then they would make a pot of soup and it was my day off. Mm -hmm. You know, hats off to the moms who try to do these huge Sunday dinners. That is the last thing that I want to do on Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just me though. That's what yeah. works for our family. Right. And sometimes I would put my coat on and Andrew would bring the kids down to the basement and then I, as soon as they were around the corner, I would take my coat back off and hang it up. And I would sneak up to my bedroom and I would close <laughs> the bathroom door and I would take like a three hour bath. Oh my goodness. And yeah. And my husband would text me like, are you okay? Are you still alive up there? Do you need anything? He would sneak, he would sneak snacks up to me sometimes. And, but you know what? That's a tradition that worked really well for our family. It allowed me to, to care for myself so that I could pour myself into my husband and the kids the other six days, six and a half, you know, and, um, and my husband and the kids really grew to love that time together. It would be two o'clock sometimes on a Sunday and the kids would be like, mom, why are you still here? You get out of here, you know, because yeah. they wanted that time with their dad. Sure. That was really precious yeah. time. And, um, so yeah, you got to, again, you have to find something that's going to work for your family. I love that. Um, I also take a little alone time on Sundays where Cameron will watch the kids for a few hours and I just go to a coffee shop and read for a little bit and just mm -hmm. relax. And you're right. It's so essential. And I've noticed a huge difference, even if it's just two hours that I'm away on Sundays, I feel so yeah. much more ready to take on Monday and to care for the kids without going crazy most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that, I, I love that you're saying that because I think um, a lot of times we as moms don't feel like we have the permission to like just go and yeah. take some free time and it's kind of yeah. all on our shoulders. But um, yeah, especially... Um, especially young moms when you're you're not really sleeping Absolutely. and things just get get crazy and yeah. it's really important to have that time just alone um do you know charge. god could have picked any 10 things that he wanted for the commandments right mm -hmm. and he literally chose one 
of those 10 things and said to us, sit down and rest mm-hmm. for a whole day. Yeah, I love and that. And it, it's not a suggestion. You know, right. when Moses came down from the mountain, he said, these are the commandments of God. Obey and follow them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And exactly um, right. there's a reason we're, we're programmed to work hard and then to rest. Mm-hmm. And God set that example for us um, in the story of creation, right? Yeah, we work hard, right. we get our things done, and then we rest and we read a book and we <laughs> sit on our porch and we sip some great coffee or some great wine and eat some good chocolate. I mean, there's yes. no, there's no <laughs> better, there are a few better things than that. <laughs> yes. Thank so, God for that. That is wonderful. Yes. I love it. Well, <laughs> Colleen, it has been such a joy chatting with you. I have a few more quick questions, if you don't mind. Great. No problem. I would love to know what your favorite part of your home is. Mm, well, my bedroom, like I already told you, mm-hmm. I absolutely love my bedroom. Um, and I have a really sweet little sunroom that is right off kind of the main area of our house that we painted yellow last year, a really soft, buttery yellow color. Oh, beautiful. And it's... Um, my A lot of my kids are musical, so we have... Um, all of our instruments sort of as our artwork in that room. So we have guitars hung up on the walls on these cool little hooks. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we were blessed to go to Rome when my son was studying there for 10 days in Assisi. And so I had, I've chose like five of my most beautiful pictures from my trip. We got them blown up into huge photos and I put them all in these gorgeous like white frames not expensive but really pretty Mm. that I loved and they made me happy and those are covering like one of the walls in there and there are some beautiful icons in there and whenever somebody is at my house visiting um there's just like warm furniture in there it's all uh, like cloth Mm. furniture you know that's like in neutral colors and some really pretty pillows that is where you will find people sitting all Mm. the time if, if Annette team is at my house, um, I'll find three people sitting in that room. And it's a little tiny, yeah. like 10 by 12 room or something. So it's just a happy, it's a really happy place to sort of just sit and visit when a girlfriend comes over for lunch or maybe for a glass of wine. That's if we're not out on my porch, then we're sitting in the sunroom. We also um, bought some uh, really something really neat called mosquito netting two summers ago. And because we have a front porch, but it's not screened in. And so mm-hmm. we bought this mosquito netting and we sort of transformed the, the front porch into a little screened in porch oh, with nice. some like white wicker furniture. And I put candles out there and flowers. So candles, Beautiful. flowers and Christmas lights, they can make any space feel special and beautiful. So I love that. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's um, so along yeah. those same lines, besides that uh, sunroom, what is something that you are loving recently? Oh, well, I actually, because I don't have enough jobs already, <laughs> I, um, I just signed a contract to work at my daughter's new high school that they just opened. Um, it's called Chesterton Academy of the Holy Family. Mm-hmm. And anyone out there listening from Minnesota is going to know what that's all about. Uh, there are nine campuses across the Midwest. We're going to have three more opening this year. And I am working um, with the executive director as sort of her assistant. But really what they have me doing is working on all things sort of organizational and beautifying the space. Perfect. I love that. So today I literally was at work 
hanging bulletin boards with this beautiful paper that I found from a paper company that I got for a great price. And um, we're, we're covering spaces that used to be kind of neutral or even relatively unsightly. Mm. Uh, we're doing some painting. Um, the kids have a very small locker, so we ordered cubbies that were, they're going to be able to put their backpacks in and, oh, nice. you know, just things yeah. like that. And I'm going to I'm going to do some some student relation work and some work in administration. Um, probably perfect. just about That's 10, right hours, up 10 hours a week. Yeah. Oh, so I'm loving it. It's bringing me back. You know, I taught high school speech, public speaking and English for three years after I graduated before we had our oldest son, Josh. And um, gosh, it's so cool to look back at this now. It's been 23 years since I've brought home a paycheck. And even though I've been working with my business for 11 years, it's very sporadic. Mm -hmm. You know, I might have three clients in two weeks and then I don't work again for the next two months, you know. So it's been really fun to actually go to work and have be able to work with high school kids again. Um, yeah, it's, that's it's perfect. It's been great. So that's oh, something I love that I'm loving in my life. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then my last question for you: Do you have any mom hacks to share, or maybe some like an organizational hack or something, something that's making your life a little simpler? Mm, yes, here it is. Are you ready, ladies? Get a pen. Have a to-do list every single day, every single day. Mm. So I have this really pretty binder. Are you, are you hearing a theme here? (laughs) I literally, you know, bought it for $5 at Walmart and it's, uh, I call it my other Bible because it sits on my countertop every day. And on the inside pocket of this binder, I have a lined post-it notes, which my lined post-it notes are my favorite thing in the world. Mm. And it says to call slash do. So that is my list just for this week of all of the phone calls and the stuff that I have to get done just this week. And everything in that front pocket of that binder is anything related to that. So if it's a do- if it's a note um, about, let's say I have to renew my driver's license, that, that piece of paper stays in there and it goes on my little list. And so as I find I have a free 10, 15 minutes, maybe in, miraculously an hour once in a while, I have my to-do list right there and ready to go. I don't have to think about like, oh, what should I do today? And then in the back pocket of that binder, it's all of the other things that are up and coming, but I don't need to do them right now. Like you get an invitation in the mail for a wedding that's six weeks away. You don't want to put it somewhere because you might lose it. So that goes in that back pocket. So the idea is every Sunday then I look through both sections, I make a new list and I might move stuff from the back pocket onto the front pocket because now I decided this, I'm going to work on that thing this week. So that's a silly, simple little idea, but I'll tell you what, it is life changing because we love to cross things out. We're, we're programmed that way, right? If I forgot to write something down on my list, but I did it, I will write it down on my list just so I can cross it out. Yeah. You know? So I, there you go. There's my mom takeaway. I, I love that. And I think I might have to try this because right now I use a, um, oh, what is it called? Uh, like a, a planner? Google, Google calendar. So it's all, it's okay. online, but, um, and that's helpful because, uh, I have my husband's work schedule as well. So I know what's going, he knows what's going on with kids appointments and that sort of thing. And I know what's going on with his work schedule. The problem is that I don't, tend to look at it very often until the day comes and so then I'm like oh my goodness I forgot we have this appointment today and Uh um 
I do think that, yeah, having something physically written in front of me would would make a difference. So I think I'm going to give this a try (laughs) and see how it goes for me. I love that. It's so great. I'm telling you. And then, you know, in the three ring binder part, you can use those pocket protectors and you can create your own other little categories. Mm. So let's say there are a bunch of recipes that you rip out that you want to try, but you know, if you put them in your cookbook, you're not going to get to them. So you put them in there and you must make a little tab that says recipes you know, so you can kind of use that middle section then for to create your own little, we call it our rule based on oh, sort of again on Holly's that. book. Like that's our rule for our family. It's got our schedule in it every day. It's got the kid's school schedule in it. And if I'm going to a doctor's appointment, I pick it up and take it with me in case I, you know, end up sitting there for 40 minutes waiting. So I know, I know what I can get done. Mm, I love that. So, well, Colleen, thank you so much for being on. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. And I know there's going to be so many little nuggets of wisdom that people are going to take home from this. So thank you. Well, good. It's been a delight to talk to you. I think that we have to keep, we have to keep taking care of each other Mm. and the moms who, uh, as they get older, they have to keep looking out for the younger moms. Uh, any bit of wisdom I have came from my own mom and all of the moms ahead of me. (laughs) And sometimes the moms behind me too, they're really, really wise. So That's beautiful. Um, I love that. We just have to keep passing it down. Mm. Well, thanks again. And I will go ahead and uh, close this in a prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the gift of this conversation and the gift of this day. Thank you for another chance to choose you and to love you and to serve you today as we love our families and, and those around us, those you bring into our lives. Lord, we thank you for all the women listening. I pray that you would give them Uh, the rest and the peace they need, even when things feel a little chaotic, Um, just that rest and the peace they need to be able to choose you and and to choose joy. Um, Lord, we love you and we pray all this in your holy name. Amen. Hi friends, at the release of this episode, we are in the midst of the Advent season, and I started thinking about preparing a place in my heart for Christ coming at Christmas. When our homes and hearts are filled with clutter, it's difficult to have a peaceful place for the Lord to enter. Let's take some time this week to write down some areas in our lives where we can get rid of clutter and write down some practical tips we can take over the next couple weeks to make our hearts and minds and homes a place where we can encounter the Lord. Thanks for listening today. Until next time, you all are in my prayers.